When our children were fully grown and out of the house, basically, we decided that we wanted our next phase of life to matter. With the help of a men's small group that I was attending at, brought up the subject and we discussed it for about two years. It was that instrumental aspect of that men's small group that helped push me into uh, the accountability of saying, well, yeah, I, I think, you know, this is, this is what I want to do, and I think God is calling me to do this. Uh, Joy was already um, serving as chaplain at the prison, and so I felt like just aligning myself with her work would be part of that answer. I guess we need to sell the house and prepare our life to sell a house. And Anyway, so that took about two years. And then once we sold the house, we kind of had an idea of what we were going to be doing. We knew that we wanted to help women that needed another chance. We have an idea of what that would look like, but we were really much, you know, holding it like this, whatever God wants to do. And as we were doing that, we were introduced to Phil and Sherry, and the opportunity came that we were moving in the same direction in the idea about ministering to women. When we walked in, the happy place, and I'm pointing to the exact door, uh, with Phil and Sherry and just, anyway, walked into this physical place, I, I knew right away, this is where we belong. For a ship to move, it can't be dead in the water. A ship has to be moving to be turned. So if you want it to, even if you're going a little bit off, God can't turn you unless you're, you're moving at least in a forward direction. And so we had started moving in a forward direction, kind of what we thought, but because we had everything in motion, we sold our house, we got rid of stuff, we downsized, the whole thing, we were ready to quickly sit into a position that was offered to us, that if we hadn't been prepared, it, it wouldn't have happened. How does God speak to me more on the academic level from the sermon thing? But it's more important that I be in a good mood. I'll just say good mood to come in and be ready to listen and ready to hear from God. One of the things that made a really big change in, in how I talk to God, my devotional time, so to speak, is I began when I was journaling. I started out journaling uh, years ago talking about God. And then at some point, and I don't even know why, I started talking to God in my journal, so I'm addressing Him, and it's all about Him. I'll, I'll rewrite the scriptures that I'm doing to be personalized. It's a, it's a, a technique that uh, Rick Warren talks about, personalizing the scriptures. And it makes a huge difference because when I'm sitting down to my journal, it's not just me thinking about things, it's me talking to God and, and receiving from God, and it's it makes a huge difference. A little tiny change of technique made a huge difference in communicating. Now, I'm an old school charismatic, so we were trained early on to for the Holy Spirit to speak to us and through us. So as an old school charismatic, we kind of wait around for the big goosebumps and the big movements but I think it's just just be just be obedient be open and and you know maybe God wants you to put five dollars toward a donation or what it just little things I think a lot of what Bethany does for me is helps me to get maybe a different perspective on any situation uh, that I'm encountering 
And I think at, at Bethany, the people do so many things, um, not just activities, but like Compassion New England, all the different um, ministries that go on. I love to serve and give. Uh, if you have a heart to do that, Bethany can give you plenty of opportunity to do that. Bethany is our church. Thank you, Stephen. Joy. We're talking about the church, and they're addressing the church being a place where you hear from God. The church being a place where you connect with God and you connect with his voice. In 2013, uh, T.H. Luhrmann, a, a writer for New York, New York Times, went around questioning New Yorkers who said that God had spoken to them. Of all places, New York. A woman said God told her to get off the bus when she was about to miss a stop. One lady said that God spoke to her and told her to vote for George Bush. And you know that that had to be God in New York to get a New Yorker to vote for George Bush. Another said God told me to start a school. And what we find that out there in the culture, out there in the world, it's not as uncommon as you might think for people to feel they hear from God. And if they, if they don't, you know, they're more humanistic, atheistic, they may not say hear from God, but they will report a, a mystical voice, a spirit, or, you know, Jennifer Lawrence said this week that Mother Nature, she had been revealed to her, that Mother Nature was um, punishing, punishing us for electing Donald Trump. <laughs> and for not believing in climate change. So, so even, even those who would, would, would never say God spoke to me claim to have revelation, claim to have revelation from another realm. A questionnaire posed to 375 college students found that 71% reported vocal hallucinations of some kind. According to a study published, published in 1984, uh, uh, that, was, that came out. A 2000 study found that 38.7% of the population reported visual, auditory, or other hallucinations, including out-of-the-body out of experiences. Now, when I talk about these voices, I'm not talking about schizophrenia. Schizophrenic voices are tormenting and pounding and continue and the same thing said over and over and over till someone becomes manic. I'm not talking about schizophrenic hearing voices. I'm talking about normal people who believe they hear from another realm. Now, that, that phenomenon uh, that we do all claim, most of us, not all of us, but most of us claim some sort of revelation outside of ourselves, or we claim to hear from whatever our perception of God is. We claim to hear from some. We claim to know things at a deeper level than academic. We, uh, uh, we claim to know that we know that we know that we know that we know, and that's how we know we know something, right? That leads me to Hebrews 13, 7, and I want to suggest to you today that the church become a part of your hearing revelation that the church become a place where you begin to attend the ch this church and you begin to 
find yourself among the activities of this church and going to small group and going to Bible study, and part of your reason is I am going to hear from God. Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember your leaders. Listen, who spoke the word of God to you. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's saying this idea that God will use the church, God will use leaders in the church to speak the word of God to you. It's been going on a long time, and it will always be that way until Jesus comes. God has always entrusted the church with telling the world what he thinks, feels, and plans. I said, God has always entrusted the church with telling the world what he thinks, feels, and plans. The, the idea that God speaks corporately to his people is a fascinating concept that I want to explore today. Let me repeat something I said last week that I really deeply and passionately feel. When we treat the church as a mere servant, a source of amusements, a club, an activity center, a childcare facility, or a center of our tribal rituals, we miss the power of the church to give moral definition, wise direction, affirmation of our spiritual gift, and kingdom vocation. You see, we can highly value the church, but still miss its greatest value in our life. We can highly value it because my experience in the church is overall, we're pretty good at a lot of things. We're pretty good at putting on a harvest party that's as good as you can find in this community, that's fun, that's exciting, that your kids want to come to. We're pretty good at creating an organization we're pretty good at organizing. We've got a lot of gifted people around here and a lot of other churches that are really good at organizing. We're really good at creating activities. I, I, I will guarantee you that the, the Happy Place Fun Fest, when you go to that, I don't know that if you're going to feel the presence of God. I, I don't know if you're going to hear from God there. I, I, don't, I don't know if you're going to have a spiritual experience. But I'll... I'd be willing, if I were a betting man, to put money on it, that you're going to go there and say, these people did a good job. This is fun. This is great. I enjoyed this. I mean, we, we have people, and this is no lie, we have people that the, the highlight of their life is going to the blessing barn, both blessing barns. The highlight of their life, that's the highlight of their week, is to go to the blessing barn. And why? Why? Because there's something wrong with them? No, it's because there's something right with us. Because we have some people who are really good at what they do. And what about child care? I mean, we, we're just knocking it out of the park with child care, with educating children, a K through 12 school and King's kids on the other end of the building going on right now, and they're doing a fabulous job. We're doing a good job at this kind of stuff. You're doing a good job at this kind of stuff. And, and I, I can't think of a place that does, in the community, that does a better job with celebrating tribal rituals. And I'm talking about weddings and child dedications and even funerals. I take funerals really seriously. And I, 
I have found that the way this church gathers around and makes food and, and prepares the auditorium and gets everything beautiful and, and the music, and, and, and I work hard. At, uh, I, I don't think I've ever preached the same funeral message twice. I always, God always just gives me a fresh word. I think we do, uh, and pardon me, I don't want to need surgery from patting myself on the back, but, but I think we, I don't want to get, you know, torn rotator cuff from, from that activity. But I really think we really work hard at being a place that you would want to come to even, even, if, even if you weren't trying to hear from God. That you'd just be a play, amen, thank you, thank you. Wait, one amen there. That, they, that boy, the, 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 the people of this church and the staff, and many of you are just really involved in making this a place so you can highly value your church because you go to a good church. You can highly value this place because of its performance value. But you might be missing the most important function of the church is not any of those things I just mentioned. Not any of those things I just talked about. But the most important function of the church is that you come here and by God's grace... You get clarity on how, what God thinks, feels, and plans. Now, why would we choose anything above knowing the thoughts, feelings, and plans of God for a reason to go to a church? I believe there are four reasons that we might choose something else besides knowing the thoughts, feelings, and plans of God for a reason to go to church. First of all, I don't naturally feel pressured to know God's thoughts, feelings, and plans. That's just not something I wake up worried about. Now, I should. I wish I were more spiritual. Maybe I'm sure there's somebody here this morning who is so spiritual that worrying about what God thinks, feels, and plans wakes you up at four every morning. And you just, that's just where you are. I am not that spiritual. I wake up, first thought is, boy, I hope Sherry got up first, because if she gets up first, she makes the coffee. That's the first thing I, I worry about in the morning, is I, I want a cup of coffee. That's the first thing I worry about. It takes a while before I get around to God. And then, of course, I'm getting that age where you check out the new pains, you know, the new eggs in your body. You know, you, you, go to, you, go to, you, you go to sleep with everything intact and you wake up with something broken. You know, it's getting there. <laughs> think of all the groups and the people right now who are telling you what to think, feel, and inform you of their plans. Your political party wants to be the biggest voice in your head right now to tell you what to think, feel, and plan. Maybe the civic organizations belong to them, and we, we don't have time to talk about family. We don't have time to talk about the kids and the aunts and the uncles and sister, brother, mom, dad, that they want to be the first, they want to be the biggest voice, spouses. They want to be the biggest voice to tell you what to think, feel, and plan. Right? Right? Some of them are not happy you're here today because you're supposed to be with them today. They planned something, and you went to church first. 
And add to that, add to that my own needs and ideas. Add to that my own feelings, my own thoughts, my own inner conversations about what, what would bring me pleasure, what would make me happy. Those inner, those inner thoughts, you know, that, that uh, uh, wow, I, you know, I, I hear on the radio that, that if I play DraftKings this week and I select the perfect team, I could win a billion dollars. I mean, I, I, st- I, I, I let off the accelerator when I heard that. I thought, you know, I used to be pretty good at fantasy football. I maybe I'll try that. I get to thinking about, I get to thinking about a billion dollars. What could I do with a billion dollars? I know, I know what you're saying. It's so it's only be 500 million. That's all you would get is a payout of 500 million. <laughs> what, what could I do with a 500 million? I'm not, I'm not going around just obsessing about. What does God think? What does God feel? What does God plan? I got too many other people that want on my agenda, and I want on my agenda. But Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. I need to go somewhere in my life where the leaders and the members of that group figuratively tap me on the shoulder and ask Phil, You've spent your whole week thinking about what you think, what you feel. You've heard about what everybody in your family feels and thinks. Phil, what is God thinking? What is God feeling? What is God planning? Because I don't have a lot of internal pressure to ask those questions. I need a counterweight in my life. So why might I reject the voice of God through the church? Because I don't have a natural pressure. I mean, you're... You're sitting here, you're in the middle of a sermon, hearing the word of God. And some of you, your stomach is saying, where are we having lunch? You got a chance to hear from God. And you're thinking about, will it be the Empire Buffet or the <laughs> or, or Milford Mandarin? You know, that's, that's where you're at right now. <laughs> i tell you another reason that I might not come to church to hear from God. is I know people who've destroyed their lives by letting a church tell them what God thinks, feels, and plans. I know people destroyed their families, their lives, their finances, because they listen to their church tell them, God told me to tell you. Exhibit A, Jonestown, Guyana. How can we, who, who were alive during those times, and even those who weren't, who ever saw the pictures of those bloated bodies of the people who drank the Kool-Aid. And if you're not familiar with Jonestown, then I'll just tell you that's where the phrase drank the Kool-Aid come from. As a pastor named Jim Jones in California told his people that God told him that they should move to Jonestown, Guyana. And they all, hundreds of people, moved with him to Jones, Jonestown, uh, Jonestown, Guyana. And there they committed mass suicide. Some of us can't forget the images of Waco, Texas and the Branch Davidians when a charismatic leader who preached an apocalyptic vision convinced his people to stand against the government and the ATF attacked and the place went up in flames and just about everybody died. But here's what I got to say to that. That's a valid concern. 
And that's why I don't say that your church is the only place to hear from God. I'm not saying that today. I'm not saying that the church is the only place to hear from God at all. But for those of us who are justifiably concerned about the church becoming a cult, let, let, let me just ask this question. Let me just present this, to, this idea to you. For every person who's gone off the rails following a cult that claimed to have the word of God, a million people, in my opinion, have gone off the rails because they didn't have a church. Gently, persistently reminding them of the beautiful thoughts, feelings, and plans of God. Whole societies have crumbled by letting governments, cultures, friends, and family tell them what to think, feel, and plan. The darkest time in the nation of Israel is when the Bible says, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So I propose to you that for every religion that's become a cult, and there are many of them, for every religion that has destroyed people's lives, that irreligion has destroyed more, that not knowing what God thought. Because when we really know what God thinks and we really use the scripture to establish what God thinks, the thoughts of God are winsome, wise, beautiful, joyful, happy, helpful, nourishing, and is always in favor of human flourishing. The Bible says we're to rightly divide the word of truth. Jim Jones did not rightly divide the word of truth. Jim Jones did not give them the word of God. That was not the word of God. That was not what God was saying. Branch Davidians, David Koresh did not give them the word of God. He gave them something else. He gave them insanity. He gave them the same thing that any group think evolves into that can be that can be atheistic as, as everything. It can still be groupthink that's toxic in what it thinks. You need to measure things about whether or not they're toxic. And if they're toxic, they're not of God. And if they're beautiful, have you noticed that when, when culture, and culture gets it right sometimes, by the way, culture gets it right. I don't, push I don't push against everything that culture says. I don't push everything against everything that comes out of our universities. I don't push against every trend, trends toward greater sensitivity. I don't push against all those trends. I, 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 I have become a more sensitive person in my own life and in my own communication because of some of the things that the culture has told me. I don't push against, but you, could, but you know what I always find out? When, when, when culture begins to remind me of where I'm not the person I really should be, I go to the Bible and I find out the Bible was telling me all the time to be that person. I find out the example of Jesus was telling me all the time to be that person. And perhaps, perhaps, perhaps God just uses the culture sometimes to slap me in the face to tell me what I should have seen in the Bible all the time. So we listen to everybody. We don't just listen to our church. We don't just listen to one pastor or one charismatic leader. We listen to everybody, but we're listening for the voice of God. 
We're listening for the voice of God. So we listen for the voice of God in culture. We listen for the voice of God coming through our friends. We listen for the voice of God coming through our family. We listen through the vo- to the voice of God coming through our government. The Bible says the government official is a servant of God. So sometimes I'm going to hear the voice of God coming through my servant. But why, why would I leave out my church? Why would I leave out my church as a place to go and hear what God thinks, feels, and plans? I'll tell you another reason we don't make the church a place to go hear from God is you don't have to go to church to hear from God. I kind of made that point just now, didn't I? Acts 17, verse 26 says, He is not far from each one of us. And that was the Apostle Paul talking, one of the leaders of the church. He is not far from each one of us. And he was talking to a, he he wasn't talking to a church crowd that day. He He was in a place called Mars Hill where they were not believers. For in Him we live and move and have our being. So, so why go to church to hear from God if God is with me at home, driving in my automobile, at the lake, at the golf course, at the football game? Well, I believe Eugene Peterson direct, addresses this really well in a section of the book that I love so much called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. He says this, In the call to worship, we hear God's first word to us. He's talking about a church service. In the call to worship, we hear God's first word to us. In the benediction, we hear God's last word to us. In the scripture lessons, we hear God speaking to our faith parents. In the sermon, we hear the word re-expressed to us. In the hymns, which are all, to a greater or lesser extent, paraphrases of scripture, the word of God makes our prayers articulate. Every time we worship, our minds are informed Formed, our memories refresh with the judgments of God. We are familiarized with what God says, what he has decided, the ways he is working out our salvation. There is simply no place where these can be done as well as in worship. If we stay at home by ourselves and read the Bible, we're going to miss a lot. For our reading will be unconsciously conditioned by our culture, limited by our ignorance, distorted by unnoticed prejudices. In worship, we are part of the larger congregation. We are all the writers of Scripture, where where all the writers of Scripture addresses us, where hymn writers use music to express truths that touch us not only in our heads, but in our hearts, where the preacher who has just lived through six days of doubt, hurt, faith, and blessings with the worshipers speaks the truth of Scripture in the language of the congregation's present experience. We want to hear what God says and what he says to us. Worship is the place where our attention is centered on these personal and decisive words of God. I love that. God still shows up when we meet. Amen. Acts 2.1 says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. When the day of Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit showed up. And if you were to go to Acts chapter 2 right now, what was the greatest feature of that day? God spoke. They spake. The Bible actually says it this way. They spake as the Spirit gave utterance. So God, using human beings, regular people like me and you, used them to speak the word of God in a corporate setting, 
in a meeting that had a unified purpose. The people who were meeting across town weren't experiencing what they were experiencing in the upper room. They weren't hearing what they heard. The only way to, place to hear what they heard was to be there. The only place was to be there. It's important where you show up. I said, it's important where you show up. It's important where you put your body and where you take your ears and eyes and where you go to receive direction for your life. Let, let Colossians 3.16 sink in too because it affirms Eugene Peterson's admonition when it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Do you listen for the word of God when we're singing? You know those songs are filled with the word of God? Whether they're new worship songs or old hymns, they are filled with the word of God. I'm a little concerned that sometimes we sing the songs and we like the songs, but we don't hear the word of God in them. And so our lives sometimes don't come close to matching what we're singing. You know, instead of I surrender all, we should probably sing I surrender some. Because we're not, we're not, we're not hearing. It's just music to us. It's just music. And it can be beautiful music. It's just music to us. But there are classic songs that everybody listens to, like Amazing Grace and How Great Thou Art, that are just listened to as music. They're just, they're just viewed as art. And they are art. They're beautiful art. God is in art. But he's not just in art to, to entertain us. Do you understand that? God doesn't just show up in art to entertain us, but he shows up in art to be present in our lives. He shows up in art to inform us. He shows up in art to instruct us. He shows up in art to inform us of his wisdom. The song, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. That is not just art, my friend. That is not just beautiful construction of words. That is the truth of, of God's word. That is divine truth that you can build your life on. Amen? None of us do as well when we're left alone. None of us. But now the last thing I want to say for those who um, might not come to church primarily to hear from God is uh, not for those who take a church attendance lightly. Some of you that I've talked to so far, you might take church attendance lightly. You know, I can hear from God at home. I know a lot of people that go to church and they get involved in a cult and it ruins their life. They give all their money away and they... They do all kinds of weird things and stuff happens and it messes up their lives. You don't fit that group. The people I want to talk to in this part of my message are the people who would not miss a service. You don't expect the church to be your servant, your child care provider, your source of fun and amusements, the coordinator of your social life, or even the center of your tribal rituals. But you might not be coming to church to hear from God. You are, in fact, the backbone of the church. 
You're the pillars of the assembly. And we, who are the pillars of the assembly, can be in the greatest danger of living an unexamined life. And in the greatest danger of not coming to church for the highest reason. And that is to hear what God feels, thinks, and plans. Because we, and you're going to figure out in a minute who I'm talking to exactly. But we that I'm talking about kind of make a deal with God unconsciously. We would never consciously say this. But unconsciously, we make a deal with God that says, God, if you will leave me alone, I will work really hard for you. If you won't challenge me, I will make the church successful because I, will, I want to be one of the pillars of the assembly. And un unintentionally, we who do the work, who keep the church running, unintentionally, we become the hardest to reach with a fresh word from God. After all, if it wasn't for us, the church wouldn't even last. We're paying the bills. We're keeping the nursery. We're, we're, we're making sure children's church happens. We're making sure there's food at Aunt Sandy's. We're making sure the offering gets taken up and the money gets counted. We're making sure there's mu good music on the stage. We're making sure the graphics work. We're making sure that everything, the, the temperature in the room is right. We're making sure, sure the chairs are all straight. We're making sure that everybody else enjoys them. So my purpose in the church is to make sure everyone else hears the word of God. No amens in that. I believe the reason for not going to church to hear from God is more resistant for those of us who have moved to a very dangerous place of spiritual maturity. And it's it's not really spiritual maturity. It's really spiritual old age. Because, and, and, and there's good reasons for this. And I, I am one of the people that I'm talking to right now. There's good reasons for this. There's a reason why we no longer come to church, some of us, why, or there's a danger. I should say it that way. I'm not saying this is absolutely true. But there's a danger that those of us who keep the church running, those of us who love the church with all our hearts, those of us who want to make sure that coming to church is a good experience for everybody else, there's a reason that we start to have, we, we start to become hard of hearing when it comes to hearing the word of God. And, and here's some of the reasons. First of all, we are worried. We are worried about a lot of things. Some of you are sitting here right now and you're worried about something. It's not about whether you hear from God. You're worried about he's going to preach too long and the guests won't come back and our church isn't going to grow. <laughs> and, you know, maybe you're right. I, I need to hear that from you. I need the, the people that are co the core group of this church to help keep me on track and keep me straight. I need to hear your critical thinking. I need that because I'm not very good at it sometimes. But I don't want you to shrivel up and die because you're not hearing from God for you anymore. I don't want you to starve 
because you're so worried about everybody else doing what they ought to do that you don't come into the service and you don't sit here saying, I wonder what God wants to deal with me. I wonder how he wants to encourage me today. I wonder how he wants to touch my heart today. I wonder what beautiful word that he might have for me today. I want you to know everything that went into this planning for this service and everything that went into giving a word from God this morning wasn't just for those other people. It was for you too. It was for you who keep the nursery and you who take up the offering and count the offering and you who straighten up the chairs and you who give financially and and so generously, you matter a lot to God. And God wants to have a personal relationship with you and he wants to bless you with his word today. So uh, we come, we're we're worried, we're we're preoccupied. We're busy. We're busy. Even when our body's still, our our mind is busy. We're thinking about who who we got to go connect with after church. We're thinking who, who we need to talk to. We're thinking of what we need to facilitate and what we need to administrate and what we need to move here and what we need to move there. And, you know, another thing that happens to us who are the core group is we're often frustrated. We're often wounded. We're often hurt. And so we're hurt by the very people we're trying to love and minister to And you know, another thing is we're always over-informed. We know the hypocrites. We know, we know, we know how Pastor Phil's off and how he's missing it. We know. We know where he needs to get it right. And and we, we know that everybody, everybody who has a word from God, we know something about them that probably hurts their credibility. Now, am, I, am I preaching to the choir this morning or what? We know something about them that hurts their credibility. We know too much about each other. And we also have some reference point where we have hurt each other and we've disappointed each other and we've let each other down. And after a while, your experience with God becomes a, just a management of hurt and conflict. And you're not hearing from God anymore. And church is not a place where God can pour a refreshing word, sometimes of conviction of sin, oftentimes a word, a beautiful word of encouragement. You know, another thing is, by virtue of our visibility, we become extremely image conscious. I I can't just pop in and see our own Tuesday night and say, guys, I got a big problem. I'm really messing up. Can, can the pastor do that? I don't, yeah, they would accept me. Yeah, they would be great. But uh, there would be a lot of things to talk about, right? I'm telling you, what, what am I saying to you this morning? I'm, I'm talking to the leaders of the church right now. I'm talking to the leaders. I'm talking to staff. I'm telling you, there's a real danger that we get to the point that our church is not a place that we can hear from God. In fact, there's a Bible story that really addresses that. You know, because we have the, you know, if we register encouragement from God's word at church, we're reporting that we're discouraged. If we register wisdom from God's word, we're reporting ignorance. If we, if we register repentance, we're reporting our sin. 
And, and there's a little story here I'm going to close by reading. There was a special insider friend of Jesus that had our, our problem, and she stands in awareness of the lack of self-awareness that those who serve and lead the church need to constantly revisit when we fall into the trap of coming to this venue, simply facilitating an environment for other people to hear the word of God. It says in Luke 10, as Jesus and his disciples were on their, way to, on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that he had had to be made. Notice, notice back there it said, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. What was she doing? Listening to what he said. Do you come into this service listening to what Jesus is saying? Can you ever stop working, administrating, planning, thinking your own thoughts to say, just like the visitor, the guest, I'm here today to hear what God is saying to me. She goes, he goes on to say, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Now, God left this little story in the Bible in spite of the fact that he knew it would be misapplied Manipulated by lazy people. <laughs> and it would be used as a club to batter people who care the most and do the most. God, God left in the Bible anyway. God left this little story in the Bible because he wanted to make sure we didn't forget that the most important reason together with God's people was not comfort, professional performance, or efficient organization, but to listen to Jesus. Here's how to listen for God in the context of your church. Be careful about always straining to hear mystical direction. Be real careful. And a lot of people, they always straining for mystical direction. If they're praying about whether they should move away and take a job somewhere else, and if I preach a sermon on staying in the land, they go, there, there we go. God's telling us not to take it. Be very careful about mystical direction. Instead, listen to understand the scripture. Listen to be encouraged. Listen to be corrected. Listen to know and understand God. Listen to know every kind of wisdom and understanding. I can't say enough either about resisting isolation and learning to hear from God in community with other people. That's why you need to sign up for a community group today. Let's imagine today. Imagine what will happen if we all become better hearers of God's word through our church. Our faith levels are going to go up. Our sensitivity to people is going to go up. Our good behavior is going to go up. Our sense of peace and serenity is going to go up. Our unity is going to go up. Our wisdom is going to go up. The good we accomplish in the world is going to go up. Our church is going to get better when we have the pressure of eager listeners who just have to get better at that because I know that you're going to come here and you're going to pressure me and the worship team knows you're going to pressure them. You're going to pressure us to give you a word from God. And that's a good pressure, amen? 
Today, I want to ask you for a simple commitment. I want you to say to God, God, I will value my church in helping me to know your thoughts, feelings, and plans. I'll keep reading, thinking, and planning on my own, but I'll move the priority of hearing from you here at this place over the priority of being served and all the other performance expectations that I have for my church. God, this is my church, and I believe you have my life in mind when you direct the leaders of the church and the members of the church to speak, to advise, and teach in your name. Perhaps the most powerful reason to hear from God at your church is though God is concerned about your personal life, he's even more concerned about what we do as a church. And he has a plan for us When he sees us, he sees us as a movement, for God sees us as one. Now, here's the kind of thing that happens in your church when we meet to hear from God together. After they prayed, Acts chapter 4, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Your church is a place to hear from God. Let's stand. Now this morning, we don't have our prayer partners uh, available as we usually do, but we do have communion available. I hope you will make sure you go out there and sign up for small groups today. I hope you will go out and sign up for a missions trip to, to, uh, for a disaster relief missions trip. But before you go, let's take a few minutes to be in communion with God. At Bethany Community Church, this is what we call response time. And response time is a time when you have your needs prayed for, usually by prayer partners. But response time is also a time when you take what you just heard, the message you just heard, and you respond to it. Now, one of you might need to respond with, with, with repentance. Another person might need to respond just by giving praise to God because you were encouraged today. I don't know what your response is, but one of the ways we do that is we enter into Holy Communion. So we have communion in three different places today, four different places. So let me just encourage you, while we the band plays, move into a place, find communion, and find a place to commune with God for a few minutes before you continue your day. God bless you. Have a great day. You have been listening to the Bethany Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at bccma.org. Thank you, and God bless.